how many fan fiction forums do oh, you participate no. in? No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast. I'm Ellie Pyle, and today I'm here with fellow Woman of Marvel and special guest co-host, Christine Din. Hi, I'm Christine. I am on the editorial team for Marvel.com, so I've been covering everything that happens at Marvel, whether it's publishing, games, film, TV, consumer products, parks, for the past four years. I am so happy you're here. Christine, tell me a little bit about this interview that we're about to hear today. Yes, I'm really excited for you guys to listen. I spoke with Pretty Chibber, who's this really awesome super fan. Um, she's an incredible writer, and she had her latest book, Avengers Assembly Number One Orientation, which is geared towards middle grade readers, and it just debuted this past summer. And it's a team up of three Marvel characters, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Doreen Green, Squirrel Girl. And it's just about them joining this after-school program called the Avengers Institute, where they learn from, you know, like adult heroes who've been doing things for a while. It's a gathering of kids with special powers who don't quite know how to use them yet. Love superhero mentorship. What was it like to have all of these characters together in a story? That's really cool because, so the one thing that they all have in common, which, you know, like getting invited to the Avengers Institute is that... They may or may have not done some damage with their powers that they don't quite understand. So for Kamala, she was apprehending a villain and knocked down this whole Jersey City building. So, but you know, like once they're there at the Avengers Institute, you know, they're geared towards like decathlon and they actually like, you know, learn how to work alongside other superpowered beings who may not always fight there. And we also have like a bunch of professors that they learn from, like, Quicksilver is their vice principal. Ant-Man is another professor that kind of gets them into lessons that Captain Marvel may not approve of. <laughs> Do you have a favorite cameo of the people who show up? I think I just love any time Ant-Man was on the page just because all the, the hijinks, you know, like Scott Lang, he's just mischievous. Um, but I did tell Pretty that she actually included my least favorite cameo which is spot because i have this fear of repetitive dots <laughs> and i was like and this is such an obscure character and you included it in spot is scary though uh i remember working <laughs> on the first issue of mark wade's daredevil when spot like yes. reaches through a guy's chest to snap his neck and i freaked out both when the script came in when the art came in spot's scary <laughs> so what was fun about talking to Preeti? I think it was just mostly it's been really cool just to chat with someone who just really cares about bringing in new readers. She really focuses on the middle grade YA. So a lot of people who would eventually graduate to like the Marvel comics and, you know, like getting them in love with heroes because we've talked about how it's very intimidating to enter Marvel like with 80 years of comics. So when we have someone like we can like latch on to like a favorite character, it helps bridge the gap of knowing where to like start in your comics journey. I am excited to hear this conversation. Let's take a listen. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Woman of Marvel. You're no stranger to any of our podcasts. I'm like, what? Marvel podcast? Great. I'm in. Let's do it. I am really fortunate that I get to talk to you about 
your book just because, you know, like we've known each other for a few years. And I think what I really love about this is that you love all ages and YA and middle grade books as much as I do. I'm like, please let me talk to you about this book for eight year olds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, for any of our new listeners, can you give us just like a rundown of your whole experience in this world? Sure. So I am here today to talk about a new series from Scholastic and Marvel called Avengers Assembly. The first book came out in August. It's called Orientation, and it is about Kamala Khan, Miles Morales, and Doreen Green kind of going to an after-school superhero program. And so, yeah, it's a world that I'm super excited to play in, and it's a really fun book with illustrations by James Lancet, so it's kind of combo comics and journal entries. It's it's a little, like, diary of a wimpy kid-esque. Uh, it's perfect for, like, 8 to 12, and it's basically Kamala is trying to balance like her real life and her superhero life and learn what it means to be a good superhero and trusting people and um yeah it was a lot of fun to write I got to write a lot of really fun jokes so this is actually not your first Marvel book you know your first one was Peter and Ned's ultimate travel journal yes (laughs) Um, so what is it like going from one Spidey to the next Spidey and do you play favorites (laughs) (laughs) I mean Peter Parker is my ride or die like Spider-Man is he's my guy forever and ever so I, I don't play favorites like I love Miles so much and it was so fun getting to write Kamala and Miles and Jureen together and kind of play with these kids who Like, what would it be like having to be, like, this middle schooler or, or, or like, young adult kind of going through life and also all of a sudden being like, also, you're very responsible for public safety. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what what do you have to do there? So, you know, I loved writing Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal because I think the MCU Spider-Man films absolutely – get to the heart of who Peter Parker is really, really well. And so getting to bring a piece of that personality to the page was really, really exciting. This is like a whole new thing, though, because that was attached to the movie Far From Home. And so I had kind of a skeleton to go off of. And this was very much like this isn't attached to any other sort of media outside of comics. It's a new story. It's a it's a new world for these kids to be living in and so that was different yeah and I think what was also really cool is you also get to play around the format where it's part comic part text messages part like kind of syllabus or the homework what is it like playing around the format and what attracts you to it that was really interesting (laughs) I'm laughing because I was I'm thinking of writing this when I was probably late on one of my deadlines and being like (laughs) Oh my gosh, how can I tell this story through like screen grabs of like a Google chat (laughs) between, you know, Kid Apocalypse and like (laughs) whomever. It's It was just like me trying to come up with however many ways we communicate with each other or with ourselves and figuring out the best way to weave narrative into that, which meant I had like 30 documents for this one book. (laughs) (laughs) like listing out all the potential things I could use then maybe things I could use like over here one of my favorites is a flyer that Kamala sees that is a lecture about all of the spider people who exist and the lecture is like three days long because there are eight million spider people (laughs) but 
I could frame the joke around this silly flyer that she found. And then she has to ask Miles, like, how many spider people are there? So it was fun like that. Yeah. And I also love that, you know, like when we talk about middle grade and YA and this whole world, it is really all about making stories accessible to you new mm-hmm. readers. And I think what you bring to the table is that you are, you're showcasing two of the most prominent heroes of color in the Marvel universe. Yep. What is it like taking on that task? Whew. I mean, it's hard because you have things like, I think Jason Reynolds' Miles Morales book is maybe one of the best associated mediums to comics that exists for the character of Miles. It is at this point, I think, an iconic Miles story. And then, of course, G. Willow Wilson, Sana Amanat, and Adrian Alfona's original run on Miss Marvel is, I think, a perfect, like that volume one is like a perfect comic book. It is just perfect storytelling, like perfect introduction. And so it was like really daunting coming to that table. But then I think about this book, which is very different in that this is just, it's just fun. This is just like pure joy, I think, on the page. And this is for a younger set, I would say. And and when you say accessibility, like I think one thing I was surprised to hear is how accessible this is for kids who aren't necessarily comfortable readers which made me feel really good because I feel very, very strongly about readers' choice and that kids should have a say in what they get to read because it's about what gets them excited to read, whether it's comic books or or encyclopedias or like whatever it is. And so getting to be a part of that of something that like really gets a kid who wasn't excited about reading to be excited about reading because it's a format that they feel more comfortable sitting with feels really, really good as a writer. Yeah. And I also think when we talk about like middle grade and like the coming of age, all of our young heroes know what their powers are. This isn't about them discovering it for the first time. I think what you did fantastic was kind of like finding out who they are in the world and who they are together. Because I think that's the main challenge for, you know, like our three young heroes. What ultimately drew you to like having Doreen and Miles and Kamala as your focal characters? I think what's exciting about them and and what's exciting about coming of age in general, like this is why I love children's lit because we never truly stop coming of age. I think as people, we are constantly trying to figure out where we fit in in the world, whether you pretend like you're there or like you really are very vocal about how you don't feel like you fit in. I think we are all constantly, our life is a constant balance of not truly understanding where you fit in or or growing towards understanding where you fit in. And so it's something that I think we can all relate to. And with Kamala and Miles and Doreen specifically, I think they're just really exciting characters. If you think about like Peter Parker back, you know, when he launched, what was so wonderful about him was that he was a teenager trying to balance these things. And when Kamala launched, that was what was so exciting about her too, is that for so many headlines that were like, Kamala Khan, the new Peter Parker, because she was this teenager in Jersey City, just trying to figure out how to be a teenager and how to be a superhero. And so bringing that kind of threefold to this book was really, it felt very traditional in that sense. It felt like I was getting to join a narrative in progress, which was really cool because that's kind of the most exciting part of Marvel superheroes isn't necessarily like the flashbang fights, but the like humanity and the anxiety that these heroes feel that we also feel as readers. And so getting to connect with them on that level of, oh, you know, it might be a superhero, but it's still like, oh my God, is my homework done? Like, I'm not sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and I do love that because the whole theme of superheroes, we always feel like they're almost unattainable, like they're just perfect as they are. But you kind of see like, oh, no, like, they still have struggles like, oh, my gosh, it's my first day at a new school. Who will I be friends with? And one of my favorite breakout stories within Avengers Assembly is Kid Apocalypse. Oh, Kid Apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like where it's like you're not defined by the first people that you meet. Like you have a choice. And I think that's really cool because finding that connection to the heroes is what draws in like new readers and I think you did that fabulously (laughs) thank you you know Evan I love Evan as a character like this is not for children but I read X-Force back in the day which is kind of the precursor to his origin story so to speak and I just find the character fascinating because he wants so badly to be good and is just constantly in this battle internally of like you know I have this history and I have this origin so why shouldn't that define me and getting to put that into a middle grade book of simplifying it and and recontextualizing it for a younger reader because it's just as an important lesson to learn when you're eight as when you're 14, when you're however old, was an exciting prospect within this context. Yeah, and some of the other really cool supporting characters are the faculty. Did you get a choice (laughs) of like who would, you know, be the professor or the vice principal or all of that? (laughs) Yeah, that was a conversation. It was it was definitely a back and forth because I would be like, what about this person? And then the response would be like, well, you can't use this person because X, Y, and Z. But I did recommend, I remember asking if Quicksilver could be the vice principal because I just thought it would be really funny to have, you know, the upstanding Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers at the top, and then having to have this like kind of, you know, I think we can say disaster at the <laughs> VP level. <laughs> For me, I always remember like the vice principal was the person we always talked to in school. Mm -hmm. Like the principal was never the person that you went to. It was always the VP. And so having Quicksilver be the one who these kids have to go to and him just being like, I don't have time for this. Well, I think that's what's like really awesome is that this, you know, Avengers Institute isn't just for like heroes and training. You almost are giving a chance to... You know, kids who have a penchant for mischievousness or (laughs) using their powers for evil. But, you know, like Quicksilver had been a villain before. And now he gets also like teach kids to go on the straight and narrow. (laughs) (laughs) As much as he can. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's true. Like that's what's kind of fun about Marvel characters is that nothing is ever forever, right? In the Marvel universe. So like there are so many characters who get to play both sides and, and who you have to constantly sort of like shift your understanding of depending upon what comic they're in or who's writing them. And so, yeah, it was really fun to take characters like Quicksilver and Ant-Man and, and you know, even like, she's not in the book, but Mystique has a kind of brief sort of pseudo appearance. <laughs> and so it's kind of like everybody in the Marvel Universe understands that it's important to teach kids so they put aside their differences. <laughs> If you can enroll in the Avengers Institute, which class would you take? Like, which one would be your favorite class? Oh, man. I would love to say that I would love to be in Beast's class, but I would really love to be in Ant-Man's class because I think shrinking (laughs) would be a really great tool to learn. (laughs) That is an important tool that, you know, Carol's not very down with. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) 
Well, it's more that Ant-Man is maybe like not necessarily the best choice for a teacher for a one-on-one like <laughs> study hall session. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. But I also do love, you know, that you also have like She-Hulk teaching the students some of the legal repercussions of the things. Because I think that's also important is that, you know, like this isn't just like a school. It's like a supplemental school. They still have to go to regular school and then go to more school afterwards. (laughs) And you kind of get into the program when you do something kind of (laughs) bad. Like maybe you like, they see potential in you, but maybe you're like a little rough around the edges. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of cool, like, I think it was like when they were doing their exams with Jennifer in the decathlon, where I'm just like, uh, I guess you should pass based on like life, but in the school setting, maybe this wouldn't fly. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is like all these heroes are basically volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as we know, they're not perfect people. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, maybe some corners were cut. I mean, have any of these professors lost a student? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) But so going back to like speaking about the format, like how was collaborating with James Lancet? It was really cool. You know, this wasn't a situation where I got to work directly with the illustrator. Mm -hmm. I think James and I both worked directly with our editors at Scholastic and Marvel. So what I did was like I wrote the book and then I made recommendations for what the art could look like and what the action and what the breakup could look like. And then I got to see it when James sent back his stuff. And I was like, this is really cool. Like getting to see this immensely talented person bring these words to life in a really cool way so it wasn't it wasn't so much like a collaboration as it was I'm like you're amazing (laughs) (laughs) his doodles really compliment when you get to see like the notes that each of the characters write (laughs) there's a face Kamala makes on one of the pages where she's so angry and it makes me laugh so hard I'm like that is forever mood that face that he drew into this little like journal I thought was one of the funniest things in the entire book. (laughs) I do want to know because, you know, like Kamala, part of her identity is being a Muslim American and her closeness to her family. So when you were writing some of the moments with her and her family, did those lessons also come from like your own personal experiences, especially the advice her parents give her about hard work? Uh, So this is, it's interesting because I try to pull away a little bit from this notion of like um, identity focused writing because this is not that book. You know what I mean? Like this is a book that is built through, Kamala is who she is. And so there are pieces of, you know, there are pieces of me in her in that first generation born American and South Asian What was nice was also having Sana Amanath be able to like look at the book and make notes. And so yes and no, you know, it is very much influenced by Kamala's story that is her own within the comics. And then of course there are pieces of it that are like, yes, I have sat at the table when my mom is making parata and like yelling at me about not having done my homework. Like 100% that is a real scene from my house. Yeah, and I think that's really cool is like, as we're learning about the friendships, everyone's life outside of being a hero, outside of the Institute, 
even them just like texting their heroes where Doreen's like, can Tippy Toe come? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I loved getting to write like Miles texting Peter. <laughs> yeah. And the other Spider-Man. <laughs> the other Spider-Man in this, co- in this case, because Peter's the other Spider-Man. Like, that was really fun. I mean, this is what I keep coming back to is like, this is a book that is just really, really fun and really about these three kids coming of age in kind of a very silly sort of way like it's a silly and it's a fun book and that's why I think it appeals to this age group because you're gonna get into it and it's just full of like like there's heart to it but there are so many like fun jokes fun illustrations it's high interest I think this might be a personal question how many fan fiction forums do oh, you participate no. in? No. <laughs> I was like writing the like Kamala writing fanfic and I was like, this is getting too real. <laughs> well, that's what I was like thinking. I was like, the moment when she's like, oh, let's reveal our identities. And I was like, oh, I don't even think the hero identity was the most revealing. It was that the fanfic identity. The fan fiction. And I was like, I can't believe you revealed your identity there. <laughs> it's so much. I feel like fanfic is so much cooler now, though, than it was when I was a kid. Like, when I was a kid, I would have died of mortification if anybody <laughs> knew that I was writing fanfiction. And now it's like, who cares? <laughs> well, are we ever going to get a second part to this whole Val and Carol fanfiction? <laughs> uh what I can say is that there is a book two coming in the series in April called A Sinister Substitute, but it is all about Doreen Green. Squirrel Girl is the focus of book two, which was really, really fun. I just love, I love all these kids so much. And I'm like, you're all so cute and funny and silly. And I want to like write books for you. <laughs> I want you to write middle grade YA books for all of our heroes. <laughs> like, who else is on your here's, list of, like, things? Here's Magneto's middle grade book. Just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. I would die for that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but the character is still old Magneto. It's not Magneto as a kid. <laughs> what if it was, like, old Magneto's brain and his kid body? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're going to be like, um, we did not need to know that Magneto was in detention every single day. I know. <laughs> Magneto actually also has a fanfiction account. <laughs> Who would he write fanfic about? <laughs> Charles, obviously. I feel like we should get one of the editors on the phone because this this whole book is just Magneto and Xavier co-authoring a fanfic about Gambit and Rogue. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. But I do want to know, like, what draws your inspiration to, you know, like, just, like, focusing in children's literature? Um, I worked in children's literature for a very long time. I worked at Scholastic for over a decade. And so I spent all that time reading everything from picture books to YA. And there is so much potential in every single age range of story. You know, I remember sitting uh, on the subway and I was reading The Year of Billy Miller, which is a middle grade book from HarperCollins and I think is so good. 
And this book is, it is about like a second grader and it's this kid going through their year and mm-hmm. I was crying <laughs> on the subway because it was such like a heartfelt, wonderful story. And I just had this moment of like, this book is for eight-year-olds. Like, why are you crying <laughs> in public? But that's the potential of story for these age ranges. And so like, I think the best thing in the world is kids excited about books. Like there's nothing better than a kid who's like, I cannot wait to read this next thing. And so Marvel and these kind of IP projects with characters who kids are already excited about, it's like a no-brainer. It's just, like you said, it's a great gateway for kids to get into comics because there is a huge barrier to entry when you're thinking about where do I even start? Like this is a wonderful place to start. And you can start even earlier because there are picture books and there are readers and there are all these things. So all of a sudden when they're old enough, they can start picking up the comics and figuring out where they want to go there because they already have a background knowledge of the characters. How did you actually get into like Marvel comics? Uh, I have an older brother. (laughs) Were there books that drew you in? When I was little, I mean, it was such a different time, you know, like uh, this was like the 80s and the early 90s. So when I was little, it was really like the cartoons, like the Saturday morning Mm -hmm. cartoons, like X-Men and Spider-Man and the video games and any comics I kind of found laying around after my brother had finished them. Like that was kind of the route. And then I walked away for a little while. And when I got older and honestly, it was like Marvel Unlimited dropping got me way big back into comics because all of a sudden it was so easy to read everything. And I didn't feel like I couldn't have access because I was like oh I'll just I'll just buy this and now I can read basically every Marvel comic ever published and so that was kind of where the love came back in a big way because prior to that it was always so hard where I was like I don't really know where to start or where to where to like dip my toe in now that I'm old enough to like understand how it works I was like I don't even know where to start yeah and I think that's you know like when we talk about having entryway books is because New heroes are great because you don't have to have 80 years of a character, but also Mm -hmm. it's someone feeling like they're not having to catch up. We actually now have like so many characters that I think for like me, I selected characters and then I found books around them as opposed to like reading a book and then discovering the character. That that's very true. You know, it's like I say Spider-Man's my favorite because I've read Now I've read, like, basically everything. But when I was playing catch-up, it was very much, like, going from book to book based on, is Spider-Man in this book? (laughs) Like, okay, I'll read it. (laughs) Yeah, because I definitely think about, like, the X-Men animated series. It was just like, okay, I love Jubilee. I love Rogue. (laughs) What are the books that they're in? How can I learn more about them? (laughs) And what's kind of so fun about comics is, you know, it is it is hard sometimes when you're like, I don't understand anything. But once you have that background knowledge, which can come from these entry point books, it doesn't really matter where you start, I think, exactly. personally. I'm like, you can just like pick up wherever, as long as you're on kind of an early part of an arc, like, great. Exactly. <laughs> you're gonna get it. <laughs> but like, I also love you're making books for kids who you're also talking to them at their level where... You know, maybe it's like all of us now just being of the short attention span generation, but like going between like news clippings and text messages and like the action, I had no difficulty following that flow whatsoever. (laughs) 
I mean, it benefits her. I'm like, it's really a compliment, but also, like, you have the voice of a 10-year-old. I'm like, you're right. I mean, I watch a lot of Disney Channel, so yep. I definitely have a voice of uh, the tween, not even teen, just the tween generation. Just the tween. But there's such, like, just joy in getting to come up with the silliest jokes that I could think of was I was like I would just sit there and like laugh at myself I really this is hilarious I think that's like the other great part is that yes this is a middle grade book but like it has enough to tie into like older readers to also love it just because the lessons that the professors are like imparting are things that adult humans you know like Miles thinks Peter has it got it together. Like when they were talking about, oh, I was swinging and eating a burrito and it fell. And then Peter's like, well, <laughs> I definitely did that to Jameson the Jameson this week. So, I mean, truly, that is why Peter Parker is my favorite. When we're when we're talking about how like superheroes are these like idols and like unattainable, I think Peter Parker is the like barometer for accessibility <laughs> in superheroes because like, you're a disaster and I relate to that very heavily like <laughs> I understand your life <laughs> very intensely <laughs> yeah I definitely agree there but like I also love that these older heroes aren't you know like keeping their gloves on and being super delicate with them Mm-mm. Yeah, I do feel very strongly, and this is something I try to bring to all my kidlet stuff, which is that kids are smart, and I don't think we should ever be talking down to them or writing down to them, and I think kids know when they're being written down to, and so I tried very hard to make sure I was speaking their language and treating the way they speak with respect. Like, these jokes are funny not because they're jokes for 10-year-olds, but because they are funny jokes, you know? And they just happen to be at a 10-year-old's level, but they're still very, very funny. And so wanting to constantly make sure that I have respect for the reader in all the work that I do. I think the thing with Kidlet is that we are all, you know, hyper aware of who is reading our books. And I think I, I put in enough, like, Easter eggs, I think, that a grown-up comics reader would have fun reading this book because there are nods to things that we know that uh, yeah, kids not. Yeah, you put my least favorite character in, like, a little moment, and it's Spot because I have this fear <laughs> of repetitive nods. And then I was like, I am so triggered by this doodle. <laughs> I love this Spot. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, totally my fear. Like, right here. <laughs> Hey, it was Miles and Kamala's fear, too, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so funny. It's, you know, it is, though. It's it's like this lovely balance of, like, this book is for kids, and I will never forget this book is for kids. And, like, if you can, like, make it fun for adults, too, who will likely be reading alongside their students or, or their kids, you know, it's that's an added bonus. But first and foremost, it is making sure that, like, if a kid picks this book up, they're going to hopefully want to read it multiple times definitely because i read it straight in one sitting and i was like oh i want to go back so just to catch more of the references that i missed like the first time around (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like james has such you can like look at his doodles a lot and he has such like great little like moments in in all his artwork so it is worth revisiting i think yeah no i love that a lot so like you know like what are some other advice do you have for just like writers 
who want to open up to like a wider audience, a younger audience, you know, especially an audience who hadn't had characters that reflected them. The number one thing I would say if you're a early writer is to read as much as you can because that is the best homework you can do. There are so many amazing writers right now, especially like there are so many amazing writers from marginalized backgrounds doing work right now from every age level, like in picture books, in middle grade, in YA, that I would say read, 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 like find lists, find there are so many great resources online now for like tailoring what kind of writer you're looking to be that you can really intensely study your field at a at a very like minute sort of level because I think that was the best thing I did was like spending over a decade reading children's books Mm -hmm. no like I think that's really awesome what other ways do you think that any company can broaden the readership that it's not just like the Wednesday warriors who (laughs) need everything in like a bag and board you know (laughs) read everything and they can cite issue in the year <laughs> like you know like what are other ways like Which i cannot do <laughs> yeah but that's why i always just always go back to like the comic direct market and the book market it's just because the book market really knows how to reach a really wide audience like these kids love reading <laughs> i think well i mean comics are different because no other medium exists that does mass narrative in the same way that comics does right like I I told a story a lot but I read I read a like Marvel history book a few years ago and there is a section that was talking about continuity which I think is the most fascinating piece of comics is is maintaining continuity across like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of titles and this notion that like back in the day if you wanted to borrow like I don't know Johnny Storm or something for your comic for whoever you were writing like if they wanted Johnny Storm to show up in a Spidey comic they like go into this room like pull out the like Rolodex folder whatever and like are like okay where is he right now and like oh you can't use him he's in the negative zone so he cannot be in New York City <laughs> that level of like mass storytelling doesn't really exist in the book world and so that's that's something where Something that Marvel did was this, uh, in 2014, I think, they did that Spidey series, which was like a revamp of Spider-Man. It was like kind of back to basics. And it was revisiting Peter Parker, sort of sort of similar to like Ultimate, but not as intensive in terms of story. These like week by week adventures, which I thought were so smart and such a great entry point for young readers. I think we used them at Scholastic while I was there in the, in the clubs. And... It's stuff like that, like remembering that even though you have these like long ongoing stories, you also have these characters who are so easily identifiable that you can branch them off into new series so easily for specific audiences, but then making sure audiences have access to those stories. Like you can do it, but then you also have to put them in schools, put them in libraries, put them in teachers' hands, right? To be like, this is worthwhile storytelling because sequential storytelling is important for kids to learn and understand and giving them that context and giving them that help to get the book into the hands of the kid. Yeah. And speaking of book clubs, like, is that like a very common thing that publishers can do, like creating a book club for young readers? So when I said book clubs, I met very, I worked at the Scholastic Book Clubs and I used to choose the kind of upper middle grade and YA books that we sold into schools. 
And so I <laughs> I very specifically remember back in like 2014 or 2015 being like, we should sell the Spidey book. It's so good. <laughs> we should put this in the flyers. But yeah, I think I'm I'm sure there are librarians all over this country who create book clubs and, and teachers too who work so hard to get their kids excited about reading and so partnering with them I think is the best bet because they are already doing the work because they already think it's an important thing to do and so any way that we as writers or publishers can make their lives easier by giving them what they need I think is the way to go. That's awesome. Where can fans find more of you online, more of your books? Because I know you also do a lot of awesome books for Star Wars. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, well, you can find me mostly on Twitter at runwithskizzers. That's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. And all my books are, you can find them on my website, preetichipper.com. My newest book will be A Jedi You Will Be, which is a picture book that's coming out in October that is all about Yoda training Luke during The Empire Strikes Back. And it's got beautiful artwork by Mike Dees. And yeah, so mostly Twitter and my site, preetichipper.com. Awesome. So this is where fans can go find your other Marvel works, your Star Wars works, and also just your commentary online. Like, I love reading your articles. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I love this chat. <laughs> yes, thank you for having me. This was so fun. So people can pick up this book right now. It is out right now, Avengers Assembly number one, Orientation. And you can get it digitally or physically, wherever books are sold. So what do you think makes a good young reader book? Like what makes this ideal for bringing young readers into the Marvel universe? You know, I think what's really fascinating about a lot of, you know, like middle grade books or uh, young adult or even just like children's literature is that it really gears towards the quiet moments. So, you know, like everyone, when they think about like a superhero, they think about this like action and this like really heroic moment. But I think what's really great about these books is that it's starting early in the hero's career where they are finding not only about like, you know, like what their powers and what good they can do. It's also about like navigating the messy parts of being young. Um, what I really love is that it's giving voice to a lot of kids of color who may not have had that many opportunities to see themselves reflected in the world. And it's not even just like doing something heroic. It's just, you know, like trying to just like tackling on like peer pressure. I love that. And I know that for me, I started reading comics when I was 11. And it was exactly what you said about, you know, those kind of quiet character moments that like, that's really what resonated with me and grabbed me and kept me coming back were those character moments that I think Marvel often does better than just about anywhere else. It has been great having you here, Christine. Until next time, this is Marvel. Your universe. Women of Marvel is produced by Rebecca Seidel and Zachary Goldberg, along with Judy Stevens, Angelique Rocher, and me, Ellie Pyle. Our audio development manager is Karen Heffa, and Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. 